You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Hi, and welcome to SpyCast. From the secret files of the International Spy Museum in Washington, D.C., I'm Dr. Vince Houghton, the museum's historian and curator. Every week, the museum brings you interesting conversations with authors, scholars, and practitioners who live in the world of global espionage. Join us as we take a closer look at the secret world of intelligence. Today's podcast will be slightly different from what we normally do. Instead of a sit-down interview with a guest, I sent questions to our guest and recorded his answers. The reason is that our guest could not be here in the museum where we traditionally record SpyCast. He is in hiding from jihadists who have sworn to kill him at the first opportunity. His name is Morton Storm, and for those who do not know of him, this is his story. Born in the 1970s and raised in Denmark, Morton Storm's delinquent stumble into adulthood was a tale of violence, drug-taking, gang membership, armed robbery, and imprisonment. Then he came across a book on the life of the Prophet Muhammad in the library, and he read it for hours. He became attracted to an extremist version of Islam, its certainties offering a structure that chaotic life had lacked. He traveled to Yemen, learned Arabic, and became an avowed jihadist, determined to kill and die for his fundamentalist beliefs. Storm later resettled in London and made numerous contacts with radical Islamists. He was filmed outside embassies chanting death to America and came very close to acting upon his violent wishes. And then, in the spring of 2007, he says the scales fell from his eyes and he abandoned extremism. Furthermore, he also promised to do what he could do to undermine it and he offered his services to the Danish, American, and British intelligence services. At enormous personal risk, Storm publicly maintained his role as jihadi and traveled all over the globe gathering intelligence about Islamic groups such as al-Qaeda and al-Shabaab. Some of the information he provided directly helped not only with the arrests but also with the killing of terrorist plotters. Storm's biggest coup, perhaps, was developing a relationship with Anwar al-Awlaki, an imam and senior al-Qaeda militant based in Yemen, whose extremist lectures were, and still are, lapped up all over the internet, but who's also plotting numerous terrorist atrocities. What made al-Awlaki particularly dangerous was the fact that he was an American citizen and was especially talented at recruiting Westerners to a life of violent extremism. Morton was able to work his way into Al-Awlaki's inner sanctum and even introduced the imam to his third wife. Storm was trying to provide a means by which the Americans could track Al-Awlaki down to kill him with a missile from a drone. However, Storm's repeated attempts to smuggle some sort of secret tracking device to Al-Awlaki failed. According to Storm, he did eventually succeed in getting a USB stick via jihadi courier into Al-Awlaki's possession, 
And it was thanks to this, according to Storm, that the Americans were able to assassinate him in September 2011. However, Storm's claims that the CIA reneged on the deal, which included a $5 million bounty on Alaki, and they denied that it was Storm's efforts that located the terrorists. Whatever the truth, and we here at the Spy Museum are not claiming one thing or the other, Storm decided to sever his links with all three spy agencies, and he went public about his role, authoring the book Agent Storm, My Life Inside Al-Qaeda and the CIA. So if you turn on the TV today, you'll see a parade of experts explaining the motivation behind ISIS and Al-Qaeda's assault on those they consider enemies, whether those enemies are fellow Muslims or the West. While many of these experts are incredibly knowledgeable on the subject of global terrorism, Morton Storm provides the unique perspective of someone who lived in this world, escaped this world, and helped to fight against it. But before we jump into the questions, I would like to tell you about an opportunity to contribute to further conversations with Morton. If you have any questions you would like to ask him, email them to us. We would choose some of the best questions and use them for our next podcast with Morton. Our email address is spycast at spymuseum.org and put Morton Storm in the subject line. Again, that's spycast at spymuseum.org and put Morton Storm in the subject line. Our first question is about ISIS. The Islamic State has been very successful in recruiting foreign fighters to join their ranks, many from Europe and even some from the United States. We asked Morton about the appeal of ISIS to Westerners and why so many are drawn to its ranks. Here's what he had to say. Uh, many of them come obviously from the West, as we know, thousands of them from Europe, a few hundreds from maybe uh, from America. and. Um, also from the Arab countries and, you know, non-Syrians uh, non and non-Iraqians. People might ask, why do you want to join up? Well, there's a very simple question for that, or, or answer. Uh, there's a very simple answer to that question. Uh, because in Islam, or as a jihadist, when you interpret Islam literally, uh, and, you know, you stick to the Quran and the Hadith, you will then find out that jihad becomes a very, very important part of the Islamic faith and of the Islamic practice. Um, a Muslim or those kind of jihadis believe that by participating in jihad it will be a guaranteed uh, path to paradise, having the sin forgiven on this earth and internal happiness in the hereafter. As a follow-up, we asked about the power of jihad to entice young minds. Here was his answer. So once upon a time when I used to be a Muslim myself, I was a jihadi. I, I believed in the jihadi ideology. I studied Islam in Yemen and uh, I came across many verses in the Quran that talks about jihad and also the hadith that encouraged the Muslims to fight. I remember one of them in Bukhari and Muslim that mentioned that if you die without having fought or having the intention of fighting jihad, you will die in state of hypocrisy, i.e. your faith will not be complete. You will be not, you will not be a fully believer. So, so jihad is the peak of Islam, as Prophet Muhammad has said in a hadith, and that's something that these youth obviously stick to, literally. They will do everything they can uh, to become like, you know, to obviously to please Allah, uh, and, and so was I. I was on my way to Somalia in 2006 to fight jihad. My friends have already gone. We believe that there was a, 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 this was our call. This was our chance to, to 
as you know in America or as maybe you know in, in, uh, in football in, in soccer you can be be selected for the world for the football team that will play the World Cup finals and that's the same jihad is for the Muslims is particularly the jihadis during his life as a fundamentalist Muslim and then later while working for Western intelligence Morton Storm spent a lot of time in Yemen which is today one of the key countries in which Al-Qaeda finds its home. It is also a location of continued heavy fighting between Houthi forces and people still loyal to the former Yemeni government, now supported by the Saudis and U.S. intelligence. We asked Morton about the root of the civil war in Yemen. We have a problem or a conflict in Yemen. Yemen is the country that I really, really love. I have spent many years in Yemen. I have many experiences in Yemen. In fact, I had experience much more than what a normal or average Yemeni would actually do there. Now, I have been to the north of Yemen, Sada, where you have the Salafi institution at the match. You also have in that place the Houthis, the Shia Muslims, those who of today are fighting against each other. Now, who are the Houthis? Now, these Houthis are Shia Muslims who are considered or have been discriminated by the Sunni majority in Yemen. Um, and now they are obviously trying to establish themselves. Are they a terrorist organization? It's debatable because obviously uh, they, ha they are not like Al-Qaeda. They're trying to, uh, you know, make terrorist bombs or, or terrorist attacks all over the world. These people have another agenda. You know, they just want to have their own, you know, say and their own political influence in, in Yemen. Uh, some people say that they have been supported by the Iranian government, which is partly true because we know, I know as a fact that many of the scholars, of the, of the Houthi scholars, have been to Iran and have been studying Islamic Shia ideology over there. As a follow-up, we asked about the status of Al-Qaeda in Yemen. Here is his response. Al-Qaeda is taking advantage of the anger. Uh, against the Houthis to recruit, you know, and, and uh, gain members to the organization. Uh, they have also gained a very unlikely, or what should we say, uh, ally, uh, which is the Yemeni government. Within Yemen, Al-Qaeda is probably the most significant ally who can battle or fight ISIS. Uh, I have been to, I mean, I, I have been, I've been to Yemen, I've seen how it works. And um, the, the, the best fighters there are, are, are Al-Qaeda. Yemen is also the poorest country of all the Arabs, in, in, especially in the Middle East. It, uh, it, it's a country where young girls have to be sold, sold as you know, child brides uh, because the family cannot afford to have them. Uh, there's a huge uh, poverty in the country. People uh, sometimes go to sleep without eating food. Um, and other people are very extre are extremely rich, so you have that gap in between them. Uh, and that obviously creates corruption, and with corruption it creates instability. Uh, and that would obviously is something that again Al-Qaeda is taking advantage of, because they can pay out officials, uh, government officials and you know police officers, and they can also pay out uh, and uh, you know the tribal leaders and and um, military. Sub-Saharan Africa doesn't get the attention that the Middle East or North Africa gets when it comes to terrorism. But there has been a recent and significant spike in terrorist activity in Africa, particularly from the Al-Shabaab group in Kenya. We asked Morton about this trend and what it means. 
Now we have also seen uh, the atrocities of the university in, in, in Kenya, in Karisa. I have operated in Kenya, I have worked against Al-Shabaab to infiltrate them over there uh, for the CIA, for the MI6 and also the Danish government, the Danish intelligence. Um, the atrocities, you know, unfortunately, is something that will continue. Uh, Al-Shabaab will stop at no, you know, at no one, you know, nothing will stop them. Um, we saw what happened in Westgate Mall attack uh, for a few years ago. And um, unfortunately, the guy behind all this is a guy who's called Ikrama. Um, and this guy, I, I actually worked against him uh, and I, he was a messenger between me and uh, Ahmed Mosame, who is, is at the moment currently in prison in New York for terrorism charges. Now, Ikrima and Al-Shabaab took responsibilities for Westgate Mall attack and they have also taken responsibilities for the attack, the recent attack of the coal mines in, in, in Kenya and also in, um, in, uh, in, in Karisa of the university. I, I do obviously advise that foreigners traveling to Kenya should be extremely aware of their you know, movement in, in, in Kenya. So Kenya is obviously a, a mixed country between Christians, pagans and Muslims. And, uh, and, um, but, you, but, but at the moment the Muslims are increasing in numbers, uh, they're becoming more radicalized. Uh, they, uh, you know, they are, I mean, I, I infiltrated them in Kenya, so I do know what I'm talking about here. Uh, they have a free access, you know, between Somalia and, and, and Kenya. We have people from, from all the West, you know, the Somalis, and, and even those who support, you know, uh, jihad in Somalia, travel, like even convert Muslims travel to Kenya and have free access into to Somalia by that. Although recent terrorist attacks have included groups of terrorists working in coordinated fashion, one of the biggest fears of Western security services is the lone wolf terrorist. We asked Morton, is he had any experience with these kinds of terrorists and what makes them especially dangerous? The lone wolf terrorists, or what we call terrorist attacks, are some of the things that is almost impossible for the intelligence to, to prevent. I was lucky a couple of times in my career as a spy. I infiltrated, well, I was lucky to be introduced uh, to lone wolves. There was a guy called Hassan Tabak in Birmingham, United Kingdom. He had a vicious plan of creating bombs and killing a lot of civilians in United Kingdom. It was only by a chance that I knew him and only by a chance that we, that we could actually get him taken down and arrested and sentenced for terrorist charges. Ter terrorist charges. And the same was for, Dani uh, for a, a British Pakistani, uh, his name was Sahir, who wanted to travel to Denmark and kill people in Judas Park. It's the famous newspaper that published in 2005 the first cartoons of Prophet Muhammad. Now, lone wolf attack, as we have seen, happened in uh, you know in uh, in Belgium where four Jewish people were killed in a synagogue that was from a return fighter from Syria he was he had been doing he'd been doing received his training abroad in the Syria with the terrorist organizations over there he returned back to to Bel uh, to, to, to Europe and went to Belgium to Brussels and killed four Jews and the same we have seen in Copenhagen with Omar 
who actually is a lone wolf, you know, terrorist. You know, it's again, it's very difficult for for the intelligence to infiltrate him, and he was successfully in his uh, atrocity against uh, you know people in Denmark. And the, the, these people are, are obviously against freedom of speech, against you know our free life. They do not want us to to express or, or to or, you know our, our our opinions. So, um, and that we will see more of. Finally, we asked Morton what the rise of ISIS has meant for Al-Qaeda. Are they on the decline? I also said last year, early last year, that we now will see groups affiliated with Al-Qaeda or even Al-Qaeda themselves swifting, swifting side and making a plead allegiance to ISIS because Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi is announced to be the new caliphate. That is very important to Islam. It's very important for the Muslims to have one leader. Uh, Al-Qaeda seems to be more focused on international terrorism, hitting small places out, you know, here and there. Whereas, you know, ISIS as an Islamic state in total have a whole system, have a law system, they have financial system, a social system, which is complete almost. And, and that is the reason why and uh, that will be more successful than uh, you know than Al Qaeda uh, on a longer on a, on a more longer scale. Uh, we have seen groups in in, in Yemen uh, that now uh, call themselves ISIS. We've also seen Boko Haram uh, swift inside and now pleading allegiance to uh, to Al Qaeda uh, to ISIS in in Syria. We've seen in Libya. We've seen them in Egypt. We've seen them in Palestine. We have also seen them in Algeria and so on. So this is a very disturbing, uh, what you call, um, discovery, and you know, for, for the whole world that these people uh, are actually these evil groups are taking it that serious that they're willing to turn their back to the old brothers of uh, you know, a, a, you know, like uh, Al Qaeda. Remember, if you have any questions you would like us to ask Morton Storm, email them to us. We will choose some of the best questions and use them for our next podcast with Morton Storm. Our email address is spycast at spymuseum.org and put Morton Storm in the subject line. Again, spycast at spymuseum.org, Morton Storm in the subject line. Thank you. We look forward to continuing this dialogue with you. And we'd like to know if you have any comments or questions on today's spycast. You can get in touch with us through email at spycast at spymuseum.org. Thank you. And we will see you next month. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T-Minus Space Daily and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. We here at N2K CyberWire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com slash survey. That's cyberwire.com slash survey to get started.
Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us. 